It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Today, we've got Raymond Chang. He is the uh, Chairman and CEO of Agrify on NASDAQ under ticker symbol AGFY. Raymond, thanks for being with us at The Talking Hedge. Thank you, Josh, for um, inviting me to your show. Really much appreciated. I appreciate you being here. Um, it's the show was a, a, maybe a little bit different. Um, I try not to do any research on companies so that I can learn with the audience. So maybe you can give us a little elevator pitch on what Agrify is. So yeah, so Josh, you know, I think right now, obviously, the cannabis industry is going through, you know, probably uh, a lot of changes, and that's probably even a understatement. Um, but you know, I've always believed that um, in order for the industry to kind of really kind of get to the next level. Um, we really need to basically focus on um, being able to produce good quality um, cannabis products um, consistently, right? And at the lowest cost possible, right? So basically it's important, again, it's, it's all about consistency. It's all about basically being able to produce the best quality products and do so at the lowest possible cost, right? So, you know, our solutions um, basically enables our customers to achieve those things. And it's a total integrated solutions, pretty much like, you know, an Apple um, that's basically is an end-to-end turnkey solutions that allows the cultivators to achieve the highest consistency, quality, and also being able to produce the maximum yield at the lowest possible costs. Okay. How are you generating your revenue? So, you know, we have um, really kind of two go-to-market strategies. Um, A lot of the well-capitalized companies will show up and basically buy our equipment. um, And we sell the the equipment solutions. Um, You know, basically we would have margin on that. But we would also have an ongoing recurring SaaS revenue because our you know, equipments, uh, basically it's, it's enabled by the smart AI software, um, behind it. Right. So we would have basically the ongoing SaaS revenue, but in addition to that, um, seeing that, you know, access to capital in this market is it's, it's being, you know, super difficult. So we have what we call the total turnkey solutions where we offer our partners really a turnkey solution where we come in and help them to build out the entire facility. And we're in it for 10 years and basically we get pay on a per pound basis. So it's basically, you know, putting our money on the line to basically, um, you know, get uh, extraordinary returns and it's all based on success, um, you know, um, you know, basis. So we get, you know, we charge $600 per pound uh, for 10 years. Okay. And is are these machines that you have that you're leasing, is it for all product SKUs? Is it just for flour? Are you also doing beverages, edibles, concentrates, pre-rolls? What, what types of machines are you leasing? Yeah, so we started out on a cultivation site. Um, so we do have cultivation solutions, but we also basically acquire four um, separate extraction companies in the last six months. So now we're basically enabling both the cultivation as well as the extraction side um, of the equation. 
Um, so it's a really, it's truly an end-to-end -end, uh, solution provider. And just a little bit on the cultivation side, right? So um, our solution is unique because typically, you know, in most of the facilities, you know, you'll probably have 10 to 12 different rooms and they're probably all about three, 4,000 square feet in sizes. And, um, you know, the challenge with the, the traditional growth setup is um, you're bound to have what we call it environmental pockets, right? Imagine the room of three to 4,000 square feet Temperature differential, depending on how the you know HVAC system is set up, you're going to have at least three to four degree you know uh, temperature di differential. Um, most of the time, people hang these really loud fans on you know on the side of the walls. So obviously, if your plant's next to it, then you get pretty decent airflow. But obviously, the ones that are in the middle, um, terrible airflow. Um, Light penetration are not going to be the same because they're all kind of four by four footprints, but you know, obviously there are gaps in between. Um, and then you also have you know huge biosecurity risk because you know all it takes is one you know potential plant disease and it was basically just spread like wildfire fire, and then you know the, the next thing you know, everything is contaminated, right? So um, basically we took on that challenge, and what we decided to do is instead of having to basically divide up you know, a facility into multiple grow rooms. We keep that open. By feet, by nine feet tall. And we can really control the environment inside of that box. So for example, temperature, we can get down to 0.5 degrees Celsius accurately at all time. If you want to exactly a two, you know, VPD, that's exactly what we deliver. Right. So basically, we shrink down the footprints and really provide a very tight environmental control. And then these boxes then become like Lego boxes and you can stack them up so you don't lose any vertical spaces. Right. So basically, it's like a room full of grow chambers. Every single one of them is individually controlled. So you can have, you know, 25 different strains and under different grow environments. And basically you can grow them to perfection every single time, right? That's how we basically differentiate against the, um, the competitors is instead of basically growing in an average, you know, kind of grow environment for 25 different strains that you're not really dialed in or optimized for any of them. We basically shrink down the real estate and really have tight control over that. But at the same time, we also pack it in inside of a big facility. So we have the highest yield, highest consistency and highest quality at the lowest possible costs. That's an interesting layout, Raymond. What was the strategy behind that? Uh, because you you wanted to do small batch in order to have you know quote unquote better quality, or was it a result of maybe a lack of AI's ability to um, provide preventative risks for the plants that were on the inside? It's really basically it's really a combination of both, right? Um, because we know that, you know, right now there's just no way to basically control the environment when you are really honestly beyond kind of a 200, 300, 400 square feet, mm. right? I mean, typically like in, in, in even, you know, in my, my house, for example, um, you know, upstairs, you know, we, you know, a couple thousand square feet, you have one thermostat. And, you know, normally my room is like two degrees higher than my daughter's room because she doesn't get any sun in her room. Right. So the traditional HVAC system is just not designed that way. 
right? Because normally, even if you set a temperature of 68 degree, you know, you bring it down to 66 and it slowly stratifies and then it basically re re restart again when it hits 70, right? So it's, it's just basically, it just wasn't designed, honestly, for uh, microclimate control. Um, so basically knowing that deficiencies, right? So we shrink down the real estates and basically really be able to provide the best grow environment. Um, and then on top of that, you know, what I realized is this, right? Most of the cultivation facility, they like to maybe play around with 25, you know, 30 different strains. And the truth of the matter is every single strain deserve its own special grow recipe. Mm. Like for example, you want to grow purple punch. We now know, like for example, on day 57, for example, you want to maybe intensify the red spectrum because that red spectrum is what gives a nice purple color at the end. But if you actually grow lemon haze, you don't need that, right? And if you're actually growing it for oil, it's actually different from growing for dry flower, right? So again, depending on what you want to produce and like, even if you want to push like the minor cannabinoid, right? If you want to push for CBN, you want to push for CBG, actually, it may actually require a different grow recipe, right? So basically what we do is really just to provide a smaller footprint for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the cultivators to really kind of be able to do real crop steering to really kind of push for the max, right? So that's really kind of the strategy behind, you know, our approach. Do you also provide SOPs? I would imagine that having the standard operating procedures would be important. I recently bought a few ounces on 420. I run around about 20 stores and check out the scene every year. Uh, one ounce I got back had an overabundance amount of seeds. So that was an issue. They were probably growing too long. Another nug looked like somebody stepped on it and they smashed perlite. And so I saw like perlite in there. So that's an issue. Uh, I don't know if AI could pick that up. Obviously the human that packaged it or whatever, didn't see it. Quality control wasn't there. Uh, another nug, um, from an ounce that I bought, I split it open it just looked bad it looked wrong and there was a massive amount of spider mites in there so i didn't know if the white was i didn't know what the white was initially so i looked under a microscope and you could see the spider dead spider mites in there a lot a lot of issues that people don't know what they're doing uh, or aren't doing it right do you guys provide sops in order for people to do it right absolutely so basically you know the ai records data you know on a minute by minute basis right and what we actually help the, the, uh, the, our cultivation partner is we help them to basically perfect the grow recipe, right? So for example, you know, day one, temperature needs to be at Y, humidity needs to be at X. You know, you fertigate you know, and irrigate in certain times, certain schedule, certain drip per meter per second, you know, airflow needs to be at, you know, whatever, right? So basically you perfect that grow recipe, right? On a day by, actually minute by minute basis. And once that recipe is perfected, then basically the system just takes it over. Our units are basically 95% of the time operated with curtains down. We don't want you to touch it. We just want basically that let the environment just control. And the only time the curtains would come up is there's actually a plant touching task that is required, right? The rest of the time, the curtains are completely down, right? And that's the reason why, like, you know, there was a, a study that was done, you know, basically they had 25 different master growers growing the same exact strain, right? And the THC 
was basically somewhere between 15 to 28 percent, even though it's the same exact mother with the same clone. Mm -hmm. But basically, the variation was humongous, right? But in the last six batches, right, uh, for example, lemon haze, we see, for example, THC variation in less than 1%, Mm. right? Last six batches of production. Right. So basically, all, it's all between kind of a 28 to 29%. So maybe 28.2 on the low side and 28.8 on the high side. But we get that level of consistency, right? So it's, it's so important because what we want to do is basically let the consumers, right, have the same experience every single time. And especially when we're thinking about for medicinal like usage, right? You want to let basically the doctor be able to prescribe very accurately, right? The, the exact amount of, you know, basically like, you know, dosage that um, the patient should, uh, should undertake. With that quality control and that consistency, I would imagine, um, you know, there, there's a lot of oversight regulations and everything else that goes in with that. I see a lot of times I'll go to a store and they don't have something in. Maybe something happened with spider mites. I don't know. Blue Dream, I think, is a perfect example of what you were describing and how that's kind of, I, I use the word bastardized. I don't know why. It just feel like what I liked back in the day is no longer what it is. And they just messed, messed with it a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. So to keep something consistent, even like an old school Acapulco gold or a white widow, or, you know, bringing those genetics back and keeping it constant and consistent, not only is the FDA and the pharmaceutical industry going to enjoy that, but I think a lot of consumers that want that repeated experience and know what to expect. I know a lot of people would quit alcohol if cannabis was consistent, if they had a exactly. brand and strain and everything consistent, they would switch, but they just don't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of those are still an issue. You're clearly working on, on trying to resolve that. I'm curious if you're going to get in the world of retail. Obviously, that would affect your ability to be on NASDAQ if you did become plant touching. But there are companies like Merimed that started off consulting and got into licenses and now are a multi-state operator. Does it intrigue you? Do you have FOMO at all with multi-state operators or retail? Yeah, I mean, basically, you know, we announced a couple of partnerships with um, the large MSOs, you know, um, Curaleaf is one of our partners, we're also working with Greenlights. Um, and then we're talking, engaging with a bunch of other, you know, MSOs. Um, so, you know, what we actually bring to the table for them, again, is, you know, with these boxes, you know, we would help to allow them to be able to have the same exact consistency of production across different state borderlines and not relying on, for example, domestic growers, you know, uh, because, you know, every facility is built very differently. You know, I mean, when you actually grow in the, you know, open environment, you know, you just, you know, have the tendency of wanting to touch the plants when they, when you don't really necessarily have to, right? And then when the bigger the system gets, the more complicated it is, but the easier it is to break down. Right. So again, um, reducing that footprint, uh, letting the system to take kind of take over, um, it just you know helps to ensure much higher consistency um, in the long run. I would imagine that would add a lot of compliance if you did become vertically integrated and in plant touching and everything else. Being uh, publicly traded is probably enough from a compliance standpoint. Um, I am curious if, if you don't mind talking about how that progress went. A lot of companies uh, were, were pitching, you know, to, to get um, seed capital or um, angel investors. What was your journey 
from, from the time you first pitched to when you went public on NASDAQ, can you kind of explain that process and raising capital and what that was like? Because the environment now has deteriorated significantly. Maybe you can kind of, uh, I don't know, make our days better by telling us how it was. <laughs> sure. Um, so, Josh, I got into the industry um, because, you know, my mother-in-law was a cancer patient. And um, I saw really the medicinal benefits of cannabis through her. Um, but one thing I also noticed was that, you know, there were days that she was so good, you know, after the consumption. And then there were also days where basically it didn't help her at all. So I realized that, it, you know, obviously the products were not consistent. Um, so in any case, I went, I went out to MJ Biz um, in 2018 and basically just, you know, walked the floor, not knowing anybody there. And I came across, you know, this, you know, now, you know, what it is, Agrify, the, the predecessor. Uh, predecessor of uh, Agrify and basically what really intrigued by the technology. It wasn't quite where we are today, but it was, you know, had the, the, the bone behind it. So I acquired the company, took majority control of the company in 20, you know, towards the end of 2019 um, with, you know, just uh, basically a few friends. Um, and, um, and then 2019, after I took over, um, basically we expanded the, the operations more and then we went public um, on NASDAQ in 2021. Um, and so when I took over the company, it was you know, a very small company, maybe revenues of less than 10 million. You know, last year in 2021, we did about a little bit over 60. And then this year, we're basically looking to do about you know, $140 million of you know, revenue. So it's been a very you know, um, high, tremendous growth um, in, in our business. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of in my journey is a little bit different. Like I wasn't, this wasn't a company that I founded. It was a company that I discovered and, and took control. And then, but, you know, obviously, um, basically built the team to really kind of, you know, got it from kind of a small startup to, you know, now a public listed company on NASDAQ. Yeah. Over 10 X, that's not bad. Did, was a lot of that through your mergers and acquisitions, how did you get yeah, that? Yeah, so growth? yeah, out of the 140 million that we will be doing, about 60 million plus is it's it's our extraction business, and that's basically all through acquisition, and then the rest of the remaining 80 plus million dollars is you know our cultivation revenue. So, you know, I think even on the cultivation side, you know, went from 10 to now 80, you know, it's still very significant growth. But we did also pile on top, you know, the uh, the extraction revenues, which um, basically came uh, through the acquisition. It's fairly easy to find out Agrify's market cap or valuation being publicly traded. But how do you make that decision when you're making acquisitions or trying to merge with another company? What valuation metrics do you use and how do you come up with whether or not it's creative? Yeah, so there, you know, certain criteria that we look for, you know, when we decide to acquire companies, right? Um, so we decided to go into the extraction side because obviously, you know, we see uh, industry shifts, you know, going from basically just smokable flowers to now more concentrated products. And obviously extraction is a very sort of key piece of all that. So we made a decision to go into extraction. And then, you know, the more I learned, I realized that, oh, wow, there's different extraction methods. Right. So essentially, we kind of looked at different extraction methods and then went after the number one player in each of those sub segments. Right. So we've acquired the 
number one player in hydrocarbon, which is precision extraction. We acquired the number one player in, in, in solventless extraction, which is pure pressure. We acquired the number one distillation uh, equipment provider, uh, which is Lab Society. And then also um, basically Cascade is known for its, you know, the, the oven, right? So basically we just kind of said, all right, you know what? This is what completes the extraction. We need to have all these te te different technologies. And then basically we just went after the number one player in each of those. And because we want to really just to have the the, um, the the leading technology, we wanted to basically have, you know, the, um, the, the leading edge sort of market uh, penetration. And then also we want to also make sure that financially is also accretive as well. So, um, so that's kind of like our, um, you know, criteria. And in terms of, you know, valuation for these companies, obviously we looked at, you know, market benchmark and all that, you know, now obviously the, the, the you know, every company is trading down. So when in a down environment like this, you know, right now, you know, companies are trading at sometimes even less than one X revenue. Um, and, you know, that's where we are, you know, when we acquire these companies, I think basically it was maybe the slightly higher um, uh, trading multiples, but, you know, you just kind of have to always benchmark against what the, uh, the, the market uh, commands. I, I like asking the same question and, and getting uh, different uh, responses. Do you think that that valuation will be decoupled with federal legalization or, or is it going to continue to move in, in momentum with news? I, I think that, um, you know, right now, um, I was, I just came back from Jeffrey's um, conference in New York City um, yesterday. And uh, I can tell you, this is probably the, the most sort of concerned and pessimistic um, investor conference that I've been <laughs> mm -hmm. for a while. Um, I, I think the industry is due for a major shakeup. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it, there's been just, you know, maybe just oversupply and honestly, you know, too many players, right. Um, company, a lot of companies are not well capitalized. You know, everybody thought this was just kind of a green rush and kind of got into it without really figuring out, you know, and, and honestly, like growing cannabis and, and doing it right is actually very difficult. Right. So I, I think we're, 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 I don't see, I don't think we're anywhere near the bottom yet. I think there will be probably more consolidation and, and restructuring and, and shake up uh, in the industry. And, you know, hopefully we'll be a consolidator. Um, I think we certainly have the balance seats and, and, and being a public listed company, hopefully that would give us a, an edge. Um, but I, I do expect that, um, you know, companies just need to figure it out because this is like, like very similar, like, you know, all the other industry, like we need to somehow get to profitability, right? You can't just keep borrowing money or raising money to sustain the industry. We got to basically find a business model that actually eventually will, you know, uh, make, 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 uh, make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's overdue. I think Gary Vanderchuk or Gary V had said that he's waiting for the next uh, recession to get rid of all of the noise, as he calls it. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, altruistic individuals not paying themselves. Maybe they should kind of get out of the way if, if they don't have a revenue model that's actually generating profit by now. But you will see consolidation and eventually capitulation from that forced uh, forced turnover, mergers, whatever. Maybe somebody will come up with co-op models to try to survive. But I think the, the future is going to be grim for those who are unaware that they are have been failing, that they have been quote unquote bankrupt and just didn't know it yet. I think it's going to slap them in the face pretty soon. That's my prediction. It sounds like that's kind of your crystal ball prediction too, wondering what else you're anticipating. I think vertical integrated agriculture is going to be taking off. 
artificial intelligence and machine learning to look at what's happening with the environment to know whether it's it's um, the uh, environmental controls or if it's the nutrient deficiencies. I'm wondering if soil, aeroponics, hydroponics are going to be the best. Um, what does your crystal ball prediction say for the industry? Yeah, I think Josh, you you everything you said, everything you said, I think you know basically we're we're paying attention, you know, we're working on them. Um, you know, for example, you know, right now um, we are installing cameras in our, you know, vertical farming units, our VFUs. Um, so instead of basically waiting, right, um, for the problems to occur, you know, we're using AI, um, you know, visual uh, intelligence to detect some early plant abnormalities. Right, that so we don't have to wait until it's you know too late. Right, we're basically installing sensors, right, more and more sensors to make sure that the environment in which you know the plants are uh, being cultivated um, is the right one. Right, um, we are also um, basically trying to figure out how we could actually you know make the entire SOP more efficient, productivity being higher. So, for example, right now one of the things that you know we're looking at is the drying methods. Right, because every facility, you know, uses twenty percent of the facility just hanging the plants upside down, you know, and for two weeks' time to dry the flowers. There's got to be a better way, right, to uh, to 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 reduce that real estate footprint and make that process more efficient, right? So again, you know, we're 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 at the end of a day, like we, what we want to do is use technology, use data, to basically help our cultivators to have better return on investment, i.e., increasing yield, reducing cost but at the same time being able to produce the most consistent, good quality flowers. Anything else you want to um, address to any skeptical investors or anything you want to, um, uh, to point out at this point? Yeah, I think for us right now, obviously there's a lot of, you know, also doubters out there um, because, you know, they're, I don't, I don't think anyone is, uh, doesn't like our business model, but I think it's sometimes, you know, when you have a business model that's, also kind of too good to be true mm-hmm. um it just kind of like puts a lot of doubts in people's mind but i think what um the good news is that we will be bringing three additional facilities up in the next you know this quarter and also beginning of q3 mm-hmm. so we're going to have a lot more data points to basically prove out our business model and um so you know i think you know people are going to realize very soon once they see the the nice recurring SaaS and production revenues, then they're going to realize that this is all really coming together. And I think we will see a, a reversal of trend at that point. Yeah, I know what it's like to uh, be too good to be true. When our uh, Bitcoin investment got 876% last year, people are like, that's too good to be true. But if you have historical and you can kind of keep going back and keep showing them over and over again, eventually people will come around. Um, so if people do want to come back around and find out where you're at, obviously you're on NASDAQ, ticker symbol AGFY. Where else are you at? Agrify.com or? Yeah, agrify.com is our, you know, uh, URL. Um, and obviously, you know, we also, you know, did acquire Precision, Cascade, you know, Lab Society and, um, and, and, and Pure Pressure as well. Um, so again, we're offering different extraction solutions and, you know, we're doing a, a kind of an integration of all these brands. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, if, you know, if, if you, you are interested in any of our extraction solutions, um, basically, you know, they're also available uh, on their own uh, websites as, as well. 
So we'll put the links in the show notes as well as uh, Raymond Chang's LinkedIn. If you want to bug him on LinkedIn, you can do that as well. But I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Raymond Chang, Chairman, CEO of Agrify. Raymond, thanks again for being with us at The Talking Hedge. Thank you, Josh, for the opportunity. You very much appreciate it. Appreciate it as well. I'm Josh Kincaid. Yeah. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name's Kate, and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks, real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.